0: Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Welcome our visitors. Today.
1: No! <laughs>
2: Let's our ushers come forward
0: to receive our offering. So good to have those that are visiting with us today. And if you received a little guest packet a moment ago, on the inside you'll find a little guest card. If you'll take that out and just fill it in and drop an offering plate in just a moment, we'd appreciate it so much. We'd like to send you some information this week and, and to thank you personally for being with us today and worshiping with us. And we want you to get to know us and we want to get to know you. So if you'll do that, we'd appreciate it so much. And it is a joy to have those visiting with us today. Good to have some folks all all the way from Iowa that are with us today. Good to have my dad Deanna back today, and others in the service. We appreciate all of you being in the service today. Let's, let me just remind you start say let 's pray, but before we pray, let me just remind you next Sunday uh, is our fifth Sunday, and of course, all of our fifth Sundays are dedicated to our building fund. Now, if you were paid attention to the announcements when you come in this morning, you saw a preview of what the inside of the new building will be like. Now, let me just say this. Those are not our colors. That's just, I'm not going with purple and gold and whatever there. But uh, this is uh, just kind of a preview of it. They sent me a preview this week to, uh, to approve and everything. And, of course, uh, there's other features that will go on to it and everything like that. But I wanted to share it with you. But this will give you an idea. I'm going to play this for you while they receive the offering again in case you missed it. But this will give you the idea of what the inside of the building, how it is going to be laid out. The picture that you see, the exterior, is what the building will look like. That is a picture, a real picture, or have this real picture of our present auditorium, and then what the new building on the outside would look like. On the inside, of course, there will be different colors. We will be going with all white furniture and things like that. And there's a few little features in there that doesn't show on this, but what this is for is to give you an idea of how the building is going to be laid out on the inside. You'll be able to get a fairly good idea of it. But next Sunday is our Field Sunday, and I want to, want to encourage all of you to pray about giving a special gift. And, of course, you can give a special gift to the building fund at any time. I know someone that gave $500 this morning in memory of their children, and if you want to do something like that, anytime you do so, just make sure you mark your envelope your tithing envelope, your giving envelope, make sure you mark it on there uh, that it goes to the building fund. And if you want to do it in memory of someone, we're going to uh, recognize all that and we'll have something in the new building that'll show every gift that is given in memory of someone. And then, of course, another feature that we'll be presenting to you in the first of the year, you may want to buy a pew and dedicate that in honor of someone. We'll be getting, getting the prices of all that laid out where you can do that. But your giving and everything you give... Uh, goes to, to the designated next Sunday, goes to the building fund. So let me encourage all of you to give. Been an exciting year so far. We're excited about all the things doing. We've been praying about more property. We need so much more property for parking. Uh, code for this building is going to require us to more than double what we have at the present. And so, property has been a big need. We were able to get. Uh, One lot here just a couple of months ago, and then this week the Lord opened up the door. We're able to get additional property in the back, and I'll be meeting with the deacons at 6 o'clock to give you the details on that. And uh, so this the Lord is providing slowly but surely. He's providing it, and I thank Him for it. I wish you'd just do it all at one time so I wouldn't have to worry about it. Amen? But he won't do that, but he's, he's, he's supplying. Every day we turn around, we see his hand in something, and this has been an exciting adventure already, just seeing how the Lord is moving and how he's bringing things together. But uh, it's just a lot of things. As we move in the first year, we'll be telling you more about different things and uh, actually presenting the building to you for approval. All these things coming up here in just a matter of weeks, but... I want you to see this. This will give you an idea a little bit of what the inside is laid out like. So you give next Sunday. Give today, be faithful in your giving, and the Lord will bless you. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing and for what you're going to do for us. This has been an amazing year, and we thank you for it. But Father, we ask you, Lord, that in the coming year, we pray, Lord, that the hand of the Lord would be with us. And we pray that you would bless us indeed and that you would enlarge our coast keep us from evil, that we be not robbed or stripped of what you have for us. So, Father, continue to bless here and continue to move. Meet the need today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: with your presence. Come be a special guest. Come, Lord Jesus, come,
3: It's been changed, a glorious song. this morning I'm so thankful for what God's did for me the only thing I kept on thinking of was when the wise man came and saw Jesus and then the shepherds came and they were giving him glory God's worthy for all that all that He is and all that He does. He is worthy. <laughs> Y'all, just pray for us as we sing. Where the reason?
0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1. The book of Luke, chapter 1. What a blessing. The music has already been to my heart this morning. Amen. Luke, chapter 1. As you know, for a number of weeks, we have been looking at questions in the Bible. I want us to look at another one this morning that I think is relevant to this particular Sunday. Would you stand, please? Luke 1. Let me read just one verse of Scripture. And then we'll come
2: back and we'll look at this verse, this question in its context. Luke chapter 1, verse
0: 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, Here's the question How shall this be, seeing
2: I know not a man? I'm gonna read it to you again. Here's the question. We're gonna answer the question today. Mary said unto the angel, How
0: shall this be, seeing I know not a man?
2: Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray. And this morning, we're going to look at the question, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we come, and we come with grateful hearts. Father, why you would love
0: us, we don't know. Why you would save us, Lord, is beyond our
2: imagination or comprehension. But, Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for coming to this earth and dying for us. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. Never let us, Lord, lose sight of what you have done for us as believers this morning. Help our hearts to always be full with gratitude for what you have done. Now, Father, we ask You that You might feel me and anoint me now to bring Your Word. Father, I ask that Your Word would be living truth in the heart of every soul that is gathered here today. You know our needs, and I pray that You'll confront our needs. And may we leave today being reminded of who You are and what You can do in our lives. So touch the Word of God now and use it, and we'll praise You and thank You, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you know, this is the Sunday before Christmas and our minds are on Christmas and all the things that pertain to Christmas. Christmas means a lot of things to a lot of people. For children, mostly Christmas is thoughts of Santa Claus and the presents they're going to find under their tree on Christmas morning. Just this past week, one of our members that works at the post office brought me a few of the letters that the post office has received that has been addressed to Santa Claus. And what he told me, they get hundreds of these every year. But these, he brought me several of them, and I read, read through them, and I found many of them be quite amusing. Amusing on what the children asked for, how the children asked for the things they ask for, and even how they spelled some of their words. I found others to be very touching. But let me just share with you just a few of them this morning, and I'll not use any of the names in there, but just give you just a portion of some of the letters that I found to be interesting. For example, one of them said, Dear Santa, how many presents do you have in your sleigh? I want a Game Boy, and I want school supplies, and they spelled school, S-C-H-O-O-O-L-L. I want school supplies, colored pencils. They spelled the word colored,
0: C-O-L-O-R-D. know what some of you are thinking. Well, isn't it the way you spell colored? Anyway, uh, school supplies, colored pencils. And then they asked the question,
2: how many elves died? And then it said, have a merry Christmas. I like this one. It says, dear Santa, how are you? Please bring me a golden retriever and $100,000 for Christmas. If you can't, I would also like a pair of leather boots, Mary-Kate and Ashley stuff, art supplies, and a groovy stack of B room Thank you. And then, P.S., it says, I want an elf. Then another one said, Dear Santa Claus, I want to wish you and Mrs. Claus the best one yet to come. Christmas is a very special holiday and is very cold. On Christmas Day, I spend time with my family. Know that you should, too. Then Mr. Santa, and then it says, Mr. Santa Claus, I just wanted you to know that I have always wondered if you were really fat. I mean, not trying to be mean, but are you? And here is a couple that I really loved. It said, Dear Santa, here are some of the things I want for Christmas.
0: And then it gives a list. An Ann Getty's, I guess you'd say Ziger, Ziger, I don't know anything about these baby doll names, but an Ann Gettys Ziger, Ziger, baby doll, and then
2: beside it it has... Twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> then it says a Survivor computer game. Survivor spelled S U R V I V E R. A Survivor computer game twenty dollars. Then the next one, it's a girl thing. Deluxe nail vanity with mirror, and they spelled deluxe. Deluxe D E L E X. It's a girl thing. Deluxe nail vanity with mirror nineteen ninety nine. Then a full bed quilt. They spelled quilt guilt. Full bed guilt. Bright, bold, cheerful room. $59.99. Pillow shams, bright, bold, cheerful room, $50. Now, that's my list of things I want out of $260. I spent $200 of it, so that means I get $40 back. If you can bring cash, you to make me so happy. <laughs> now, this one I like. Dear Santa, my name is so-and-so. I am eight years old. I have been sick almost a month. So I haven't felt like being good or bad. I just feel like getting better. This is one of my favorites, just a line from it. Dear Santa Claus, how are you doing? I don't think bin Laden deserves any presents this year. I say amen to that. <laughs> and there were others. But here's just a couple that
0: touched my heart. Children are very, very transparent. Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas it's for my family to be happy and my papa to live and be happy, too. This was one that touched my heart. Dear Santa, I gave my bike away to someone who wasn't going to have a
2: Christmas. Will you give me powers so I can save the world? I could help people. We could have peace in the valley. I love everybody in the world. And there are many more. All of these letters remind us that for children, Christmas often centers on Santa Claus. But today, I want us to continue looking at great questions in the Bible. And I want us to look at one that reminds us that Christmas is more than Santa Claus. And that Christmas is more than the things that we want for Christmas. It is a question that reminds us of one that does have the power to save the world. It is the question that is asked by Mary in Luke 1.34... How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The question was asked when an angel appeared to Mary and announced that she was going to be a mother and she was going to have a son. So I want us to look at the question today and the story in which it is found, and I want us to glean some wonderful truths about Christ and His birth. Three things, let me give them to you. The first thing that I want you to think with me about is this. Now, when you look at the birth of Jesus, you see something momentous about the birth of Mary's son. You have the angel appearing to Mary, telling her that she's going to bring forth a son. And you see there is something momentous about the birth of her son. For example, you notice in verse 31 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible said, "...and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son." Now, we know that this was not to be an ordinary birth, and we know this was not to be an ordinary son. There was something extraordinary about this birth, and there was something extraordinary about the one that was being born. There was something momentous about the birth of Mary's son. I point out a couple of things from our text. For one thing, you see the greatness of her son. You see the greatness of her son. You see, the angel said to Mary, in effect, Mary, you're going to have a son. But I want to tell you a little bit about the son you're going to have. And he tells her in verse 32 and in verse 33, He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. You see, the angel informed Mary that her son was going to be a descendant of David. And he informed her that he would sit upon the throne of David, and he would rule and reign over the house of Jacob. But unlike David, his kingdom would have no end. And her son would rule and reign throughout eternity. In other words, what this angel was telling Mary is that the son that you're going to have is going to be the king of kings and he's going to be the Lord of lords. There is something great about the son you are going to have. When I think about Jesus being born from a human perspective, he seemed to be anything but a king. Instead of being born in a palace, he was born in a stable. Instead of being clothed in expensive garments, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And instead of being surrounded by royalty, he was surrounded by lowly shepherds. Instead of his birth being announced throughout all the land that a king's son had been born, there was only a handful that was aware that he even existed. Instead of a golden crown, there was a wooden cradle. From a human perspective, he seemed to be anything but a king. But I want to remind you this morning that you can be sure that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and that one day he will sit upon the throne of David, and his kingdom shall know no end. He is destined to wear the diadem of the universe. There's the greatness of her son. But you not only see the greatness of her son, but you also see something about the glory of her son. You notice that the angel called Mary's son, in verse 32, the son of the highest. And he called Mary's son, in verse 35, the son of God. You see, the angel was making it very clear that Jesus was more than Mary's son. He was making it clear that this was the Son of the Highest. This was the Son of God. You see, the angel not only proclaimed his sovereignty, that he would rule and reign over the house of Jacob, but he was also proclaiming his deity, that this is the Son of the Highest, and this is the Son of God. Mary's son was one who in eternity rested motherless upon the father's bosom, but in time rested fatherless upon a mother's bosom. He was one that had an earthly mother, but no earthly father. He was one that had a heavenly father, but no heavenly mother. He was the infant of days, but in reality, he was the ancient of days. For you see, the son that Mary gave birth to had no beginning. He had existed from eternity past. This was an eternal son. He was more than the son of Mary. He was the son of the highest. He was the son of... Of God, you see, there was something momentous about His birth, and there was something momentous about the birth of Mary's son. The son she gave birth to was no ordinary son, and he was—he was—it he was, was the birth that was the birth of a king and the birth of an eternal son. I love Philip Phillips Brooks' tribute to Christ and writer, preacher from back in Boston in the 1700s. I love this tribute he gave to the Lord Jesus. He said, here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in an obscure village. He worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except the power of divine manhood. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial and was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth while he was dying, his coat. And when he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. But nineteen wide centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. All the armies, all the armies that ever marched, and all the navies that ever were built, and all the parliaments that ever sat. And all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. You see, there was something momentous about the birth of Mary's son. There was this greatness and there was this glory. Now imagine you were Mary this morning. Imagine that you were just a poor peasant girl living in a little village called Nazareth. And imagine that suddenly an angel stood before you and then told you that you were going to give birth to a son. Now, not just any son. Not just an ordinary son. And not just through an ordinary birth. But you're going to give birth to a son that is the Son of God. Now, how would you have reacted? How would you respond responded to the angel's announcement? I think I may have been somewhat like the poor fella that was walking home one night and he decided to take a shortcut through the cemetery. And as he was walking through the cemetery, he accidentally fell into an open grave. He tried and he tried and he tried to get out and tried and tried, but he f- couldn't get out. So finally, he just sat down in the corner and thought, I'll just sit down here till daylight comes. Someone will come along and they'll pull me out. Well, in a little while, another fella came along and fell into the same grave. He kept trying and trying and trying to get out. And all the time, this fellow's sitting in the corner watching him trying to get out. Finally, the fellow said to him, But you might as well give up. You can't get out. But he did. Can I say amen right there? I think I may have been the same way. But Mary, how did she react to the angel's message? Well, notice a couple of things about it. You notice, first of all, the angel's salutation alarmed her. The angel came with a certain salutation, and the Bible said that it troubled her or alarmed her. Look at verse 28 and 29. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The Bible said that she was troubled at his saying. The word troubled speaks of being alarmed. It was a very alarming experience that she had when all of a sudden this angel appears and begins to talk to her. The Bible says she cast in her mind what manner of salutation it could be. The word salutation speaks of a greeting. The angel introduces himself or suddenly appears and says to her certain things that began to trouble her and bother her. So trembling, she stood there wondering what the angel meant and what kind of greeting it was that he had given her. What had the angel said? He appeared suddenly and said, Hell, thou art highly favored. And no doubt Mary thought to herself, Me? Highly favored? I'm just a little peasant girl. I'm from the village of Nazareth. How can I be highly favored? The angel said, The Lord is with thee. And no doubt Mary believed the Lord was with her and believed the Lord was with His chosen people. But she knew that the angel spoke of a special presence of the Lord. And no doubt Mary thought to herself, Why is it the Lord is with me in such a unique way? Why is the Lord with me in such a special way? The Bible said, the angel said, blessed art thou among women. And the word blessed speaks of invoking a benediction upon a person. It was a pronouncement of prosperity. And I can imagine Mary saying, I'm just a poor peasant girl. Why is the Lord bestowing upon me such a blessing? Why is the Lord prospering me in the way that he is? And you might ask the question, why? Why did God choose Mary? Why did the Lord choose Mary, a poor peasant girl from a little village in the hill country, to be the one to give birth to the Son of God? And I think the answer is found in the words, Blessed art thou, thou art highly favored. The highly favored, the words mean simply speak of being endowed and enriched by grace. I remind you this morning that the reason God chose Mary and what God did with Mary and how God used Mary was not because of who Mary was. But it was because of who he was. You see, Mary's story was a story of grace. It was all of God's doing undeserved. I'm aware there are those who have elevated Mary to a place almost if not equal with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But i remind you today that Mary was just a poor little peasant girl. It's a poor peasant girl and someone like me and someone like you or you and me that that we have received all that we have because of God's grace. Can I remind you this morning that anything God has done for us, it's not because of who we are. And anything God has done for us, it's not because of what we've done. Never think yourself to be deserving of any of God's blessings. And never consider yourself to be worthy of anything God could do for you, with you, in you, or through you. Listen, friend, anything God does for me and anything God does for you, it's a story of grace. It is the undeserved favor of God. But Mary, like Mary... It was a story of God's grace in her life. But it was the angel's salutation. It troubled her. It alarmed her. But second of all, you not only see how the salutation alarmed her, but how the angel's proclamation amazed her. See how the angel greeted her, troubled her. How the angel greeted her, alarmed her. But when he told her what was going to happen, she was amazed. For when he told her that she was going to conceive and bring forth a son, verse 34, she asked this question, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. The angel said, You're going to conceive. You're going to give birth to a son. Not just any son, the son of the highest. Not just any son, the son of God. And not just any birth, a virgin birth. And she looks at him and she said, But how can this be? How can this happen, seeing that I know not a man? You look in verse 27, we read that she was espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, the word espouse is very similar to what we would speak of as someone being engaged to someone else. But in those days, engagements or espousals or betrothals were somewhat different than they are today. In Bible days, an engagement period lasted at least 12 months, at least 12 months. And there were several reasons for it. One of them was to prove the purity of the bride that the bride had kept herself clean, the bride had kept herself pure. Well, the Holy Spirit highlights the purity of Mary in that He calls her a virgin in verse 27. But here's an angel telling her that she's going to conceive and bring forth a son, and she thinks to herself, well, how can this happen? How can I conceive and give birth to a son when I'm not married? How can I give birth to a son? How can I conceive when I've had no relationships with man? You see, from a human perspective, what the angel was saying to Mary was impossible. It was not logical. It was not probable. You see, the story of Mary not only reminds us that all of God's dealings in our life is because of His grace, but it also reminds us that sometimes the plan and the purpose of God for our life often brings us face-to-face with situations that seems impossible. Have you never, like Mary, have you ever, like Mary, asked the question as you were facing some situation in your life, how shall this be? Or how can this happen in my life? How's this going to turn out in my life? How can this happen? How can I face this? How can I get through this? Have you not at one time or another found yourself facing some kind of situation that left you asking, how shall this be? I remember a number of years ago reading a book by Tom Elliff entitled Praying for Others. And the book spoke to my heart in many ways, but there's one thing in the book that I will never forget, and that's a description that he gave of a problem or a difficulty in our life as a believer. He writes, unfortunately, most Christians do not view their problems or needs in the proper perspective. In other words, what Mr. Eliff said is this, that we, most of the time, we don't see our needs the way we ought to see our needs. And we don't look at our problems the way that we ought to look at our problems. And we don't see our difficulties in life. We don't look at them the way we really ought to look at them. And he writes, actually, we should welcome difficulties and attach to them the following definitions. He says, we don't normally look at our problems the way we ought to look at them. Instead, we ought to welcome problems in our life. Now you say, Brother Ken, what do you mean welcome problems? I don't want problems to come. I don't either. But Mr. Ellis says we don't look at them the way we ought to, and for that reason we don't welcome them into our life. But then he gave these three definitions, and I want you to listen to them. He said, number one, when a problem comes knocking at our door, we ought to look at our problem this way. My problem is actually a platform upon which God can prove to the world how powerfully he provides for his own. Definition number two, my problem is a signal from God that he has available for me a blessing for which I have not asked. And number three, my problem is an indication from God that he's not given up on the possibility I might learn how to pray. Now, I like those definitions. Because like Mary, Mary didn't realize it. But God had actually brought into her life a situation in which he could prove his power to the world. Mary said, how can this be? How can this come to pass? From a human perspective, it did not seem possible. But what Mary didn't realize is that God had just given her a platform upon which he would stand and show his power to the world. And not only that, the angel's message was a signal from God that he had a blessing for her that she had never even asked for or even thought about. Can I say to you today, you may be in a situation in your life where like Mary you face that situation and you say, How shall it be? Like Mary, anything God does for us, it's because of His grace. Amen? Amen. Anything God does in our life, we don't deserve it. It's His grace. But like Mary, you may be facing a situation today. You don't know how you can do it. You don't know how you can face it. You don't know how it can happen in your life. But it may be, you listen to me this morning. It may be that you're on the verge of seeing things you've never seen before. It may be you're on the verge of experiencing things you've never experienced before. It may be that you're on the verge of uh, doing things you've never done before. It may be that your impossible situation is the very thing that God is going to show himself to you in your life. Amen? Amen. That leads me to my final thought. We not only see something momentous about the birth of her son, And something mysterious, how can this be about the birth of her son? But last of all, we see something miraculous about the birth of her son. Now, you would have to agree with me this morning. Are you with me now? Say amen. Amen. You would have to agree with me that the birth of the Lord Jesus was nothing short of a miracle. Amen? There was something miraculous about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. His was a virgin birth. Can I say that again? Can I say that again? And I want you to listen to me. His was a virgin birth. Let me say two things about the virgin birth. One, the manner of his birth was required. The manner of his birth was required. He was born a virgin. That was required. Hundreds of years before his birth. The prophecy was given in Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And when the angel appeared to Mary, he announced his virgin birth to Mary. But hundreds of years before, the prophet had announced his virgin birth to the ages. He was to be born of a virgin. I was reading one of George Barnard's books, and George Barna does surveys of all kinds. And I found in one of his surveys that he found that 8 out of 10 Americans, that's 85%, 85% of Americans believe that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. And he also found that even 75% of the people that do not embrace Christ as their Savior believe that he was born to a virgin. Most people in this country, most Americans believe that Jesus was virgin born. However, there are those who do not. And there are those who have attacked and denounced the virgin birth of Christ. John Spong of New Jersey in his book Born of a Woman said that Jesus was not born of a virgin since Mary had probably been raped. Harry Emerson Fosdick, whom many consider to be a great Bible scholar, said, I want to assure you that I do not believe in the virgin birth. One Bishop Robertson said that the virgin birth is a story on the level of an handicap comic. I want you to listen to what Nell's F.S. Uh, for a a so called theologian had to say, and I say so called theologian, what he had to say about the birth of Jesus. Listen, he said, Mary, we remember, was found pregnant before engagement to Mild Joseph. Nazareth was hard by a Roman garrison where the soldiers were German mercenaries. Jesus is also reported throughout a continuous part of the history of art, it is claimed, to have been blonde. This is supposedly unnatural for the Mediterranean countries where this same tradition started and was continued. Hence, Jesus must have been the child of a German soldier. I'd say, Mr. Ferrar. first of all, if you had good sense, you know you don't interpret the Bible by art. And second of all, I just want to go on record today and let you know I am among the 85% of this country that believe that Jesus Christ was virgin born. Amen. And I want to remind you this morning that if he had not been born a virgin, you listen to me, if he had not been born a virgin, he could not have been the Savior of the world. And if he was not the Savior of the world, there's not a single one of us today that could be saved. I want you to understand something today. The virgin birth was more than a fancy way for Jesus to be born. It was more than God just showing off. It was more than a unique way. It was a necessity. You see, Jesus was born that he might become man. He became man that he might be identified with the human race. He was identified with the human race in order that he might die for the sins of all mankind. And if he was not born as a virgin of a virgin in Bethlehem, then when he died on Calvary's cross, his death accomplished nothing and it was meaningless. For if Jesus had been the son of a German soldier, or even the son of Joseph, he would have inherited a sinful nature. And if it inherited a sinful nature, then he could not have died for the sins of man. A sinner cannot take the place of a sinner. Only a sinless one can die in the stead of sinful ones. But being born of a virgin without an earthly father, he did not inherit a sinful nature. Therefore, he was qualified to be the Savior of the world. His birth, his virgin birth was absolutely necessary. Get, can I get an amen right there? T.T. T. Shield said to deny the miracle of the virgin birth is to deny that which is fundamental to the whole of Christian revelation. But there's the manner of his birth. But second of all, Not only did the manner of his birth was it required, but the miracle of his birth was revealing. Now get this. The angel said, you're going to conceive and give or bring forth a son." And Mary said, how can this be? How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? What was the answer the angel gave her? Look at verse 37. Buddy, this is one you ought to stop for about 20 minutes and just shout on. How shall this be? I'm not married. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Say amen right there. The virgin birth may have been impossible from a human perspective, but it was not impossible for God, for with God there is nothing impossible. But I think of the virgin birth, I think of the miracle that birth. It was a miracle in many ways. For one, it was a miracle. It was a prophetic miracle. It was a miracle in prophecy. You see, when you look at the birth of Jesus, there were many prophecies surrounding His birth. The place of His birth was prophesied. Uh, The procedure of His birth was prophesied. The persecution surrounding His birth was prophesied. And on and on and on. There are more than 300 prophecies. Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And here's what is so amazing. Every one of them was fulfilled exactly like the prophet said hundreds of years before he was born. Someone gave an interesting, has given an interesting calculation of the odds of all the prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus being fulfilled exactly as they were given. And they imagine you taking the state of Texas. Take the state of Texas, biggest state in this country. It covers... 267,339,000 square miles. Now imagine you covered the entire state in silver dollars two feet thick and out of all those silver dollars you mark just one single silver dollar. And then you blindfold a person and ask them to pick one single silver dollar. The odds of that person picking that one marked silver dollar is one in one quintillion. That's one with 17 zeros after. And mathematicians tell us that if you take the more than 300 prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus and all these be fulfilled in one person, the odds are just the same. It was a miracle prophetically when he was born, but it was also a miracle physically when he was born. Now, we all know this morning that it's impossible for a woman to conceive without knowing man. We know that it's not logical. We know that it's not physically logical or probable. It is not physiologically probable. We know that from a human perspective and from a physical perspective, it is impossible. But when you bring God into the picture, it's a different story. For with God, nothing is impossible. You see, when you think about the virgin birth, among many things, the virgin birth reveals the ability of God. For the virgin birth not only provided as a Savior, it also revealed that God is able to do that which we think is impossible. Now, are you in some situation today where, like Mary, you're saying, how shall this be? that I just want to remind you something. I just want to remind you of God. And I just want to remind you that with God, nothing is impossible. We're right here, and all that we're going through around here and all the things that are happening, God is showing us and teaching us that he's able to meet our needs. He's showing and teaching us that there is nothing that is impossible. You believe that today? Say amen. amen. With God, nothing shall be impossible. I read the story of a gentleman named Edwin Rushworth and Rushworth had been a skeptic all of his life there came a time when Rushworth decided he's gonna read the Bible he had derived the book all of his life he had tore the book down all of his life but he decided he was going to read it so every day seven days a week one hour a day he would sit down and read the Bible every day one hour every day of the week weeks went by he was sitting there one day reading and he looked up at his wife and he said wife If this book is right, we're all wrong. He read, he followed his habit of reading for about another two weeks. One hour every day, every day of the week. And then one day he looked up and said, Wife, if this book is right, we're lost. And he kept on reading. A few nights later, he looked up at his wife and he said, Wife, if this book is right, we may be saved. And they were saved. I want to say to you today that if this book I hold in my hand is right, if this Bible that I'm preaching from today, this book that is often ridiculed and made fun of by the world, if this book is right, that I want you to understand something today. There is nothing impossible with God. And I want to go on record today and say that I do believe this book is right. I believe this book is right from Genesis 1.1 to Revelation 22.21. There's not one error in this book. There's not one mistake in this book. There's not one contradiction in this book. This book is the Word of God, and it is right. And this book tells me that with God, nothing shall be impossible. You believe that? Then I want to remind you this morning. Are you asking, how shall this be? How can this happen in my life? How can my children come back to God? How can my husband be saved? How can my wife be saved? How can this need be met in my life? How can this door open in my life? How can this happen in my life? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Temple Baptist Church, how are we going to build a $2.4 million building out there? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. How are we going to come up with all the additional land that we need for parking? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. How are we going to raise seven, eight $800,000 in two years? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You believe that? Yes. Then give God praise. There is nothing that God can't do. Let's stand our feet. Let's stand our feet. This Christmas season, as we think about gifts and Santa Claus and everything else, would you let the birth of Jesus Christ remind you that with God nothing is impossible will you let him remind you let it remind you of that that there's no need in your life that God can't meet there's no loved one you have that God can't save there is no problem you're facing that God can't solve or get you through there is nothing that is impossible with God how shall it be seeing I know not a man for with God nothing shall be impossible we're gonna sing in just a moment and we're gonna give you an invitation to come and kneel right here at this altar Temple Baptist Church we believe in doing business with God here at the altar we believe y'all to come walk down here and kneel before God Somebody take the Bible and show you what God says about your particular need. We believe that. We'll always believe that. This is where you ought to come. And this is where you ought to meet God. And this is where things ought to happen. This is where you ought to come today and be saved. You're in this building. You ought to get up out of your seat you're in the balcony, across this building, anywhere, and walk down here and let somebody take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can be saved. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came in order t- to be a man. And he became a man in order that he might die on the cross for man. And he died that you might be saved. He'll forgive you of your sins. When we sing, we will invite you to come. Invite you, whoever you are. You miss, this may be the first time you've ever been here. Young or old, if you're here today and you're unsaved, why don't you come this day and accept God's gift of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there may be those here today that you're not living for God. This ought to be the day. You ought to walk down here and say, I want to live for God. I want to give my life to God. Then again, you may have a need in your life. and There may be a situation where like Mary, you're saying, how shall this be? Why don't you come today and kneel before God and talk to God about the need in your life, talk to God about the situation in your life. With God, there is nothing that is impossible. Have faith in God. Trust God. Take Him at His word. Believe Him to be everything that He said He was. Believe what that Bible has to say about God. But with Him, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. You come and talk to God about your need. Come and talk to the one that is able to do something about your need. Will you do that today? We're going to sing, and when we c- and begin to sing, we'll invite you to come. You're here today and you want to unite with our church. This is a great body of believers to be a part of. And I'm not just saying that, I mean that. And these folks here would say this is a great place to be. Amen. Amen. This is where you can serve God. And you can come and you can get involved in all the things that are going on. You can live for the Lord. You can worship God. You can serve the Lord here. And this is where God is leading. You just come. Take a seat on the front row. We'll get your name and the information that we need from you. That's as simple as it is. And you come and say, I want to be a part of what God is doing here. I want to be a part of what is happening here. You come. Whatever the reason, you come. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, I thank you for your coming to this earth. I thank you for the miracle of your virgin birth. I thank you, Lord, for what your virgin birth means. But I thank you today, Lord, that in your virgin birth, you revealed your ability. And you revealed that there is nothing impossible with you. What an encouraging word to our hearts this Sunday morning. What an encouraging word to so many. That their children are reachable their loved ones are reachable their needs can be met their problems can be taken care of what an encouraging thought this morning that lord you are god our heavenly father that you can do all things and that with you there is nothing impossible your birth this christmas season reminds us of your ability so may we look to you today and trust you And lean upon you and believe you to work in our situations father may there be many that have come today and talk to you about their need talk to you about their situation lord may they just come today do business with you and we'll thank you and praise you for it's in jesus name we pray now while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed you may be across the building today and you're unsaved i want to invite you right now to pray this prayer with me will you do this you say preacher i don't want to go to hell I wouldn't want to be left behind if Jesus were to return. I want to be saved, and I want to encourage you to be saved right now where you stand. Will you do that? You can. You can be saved right there where you stand, in the balcony, in the wing, and a number sitting in this building have been saved, standing right back there in the back, sitting over here in the wing, sitting on this balcony. Just a few weeks ago, I baptized a young man that got saved or a young lady that got saved standing right there in your pew. I want to invite you to do this right now. I want you to pray this prayer with me, will you? You don't have to pray it out loud, but in your heart, your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. You're going to pray this little prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again for me. And right now, Jesus... I ask you to save me. I ask you to come into my heart and life. I ask you right now to save me for Jesus' sake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In a moment when we sing, others that some have come, there are going to be others to come. But I want to invite you to do something. If you prayed that prayer when folks began to come in a moment, I want you to get up out of your seat. Walk right down here. Here's Terry. Here's my wife. I'll be down here. I'll come down. I want you to walk down here and take someone by the hand and say, I prayed that prayer with the preacher a while ago. Will you do that? The first thing God wants you to do when you're saved is to make it public. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be embarrassed. Get up and come. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, then you want it, God wants you to come right down here and tell somebody about it and begin to start your Christian life off right. Will you do that in a moment? And then do like some that have already come. Come and do business with God. Do that right now in Jesus' name.